You're listening to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you from St. Bart in the French West Indies. We talk jiu-jitsu, traveling, and people who do things a bit different in life. I am your host, Christian Graugard. Hello everyone and welcome to the fifth episode of the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast. Um, Happy New Year. Um, it's been a while since I um, published the, the last episode, but um, it's also been kind of a, a crazy few weeks for me. Um, I went to, um, to the winter camp in Austria. I had to leave uh, on the December 31st because there were limited flights uh, from the Caribbean because of um, of the hurricane we had here a few months ago. Uh, so I was flying over uh, over New Year's Eve to um, to Amsterdam and then uh, on to Munich where I spent a few days uh, with doing kind of a pre-camp with, uh, with a few people who were going to the winter camp in Austria. I think we were about like 10 people who stayed in, in Munich for, uh, it was kind of spontaneous, it was not really planned, but uh, uh, Munich is uh, is an easy place to get to to the winter camp from, so um, a few people stayed there for, for New Year, and um, and I came in on January 1st, and we stayed there for like three days before uh, taking the train to, to the camp in Austria. Uh, the train ride is about like, I think it was like three hours to get there, and... Um, just beautiful going through the the Austrian Alps with the with the snow and everything. Um, it's the fourth year we we did the the winter camp, and um, I think it just it just keeps getting better. I mean, it's supposed to get better every time. Uh, it would be it would be um, it wouldn't be good if it got worse. So um, we extended it with an extra day this time, uh, which I think was really good because winter camp has always been kind of the most intense camp of all. Um, mainly due to, you know, you go skiing or snowboarding all day long and then you did so in the evening and then uh, quite a lot of people choose to go out at night. So you do that for four, four days. That's, uh, that's pretty intense. So this time we, um, we added an extra day. So it was actually five days or like four nights there. And, uh, I think that kind of mellowed it down a little bit, which was good because, too many people just burned out at the winter camp uh, the early years so um and at least for me it was it was a much more relaxed experience uh, i really got to enjoy snowboarding way more since i wasn't as, as tired as i as i usually as i usually am there so anyway the camp was great and um again due to limited flight schedule i had another week in europe after that uh i was went around uh to visit some friends and check out some places um so it was uh, almost two weeks for me on the road and uh, it's kind of nice to be back and uh, get those strange devices off my feet that some people call socks. Anyway, uh, this episode, um, the interview, uh, this episode will be with, um, it's an interview I did at the at the camp here in, in St. Bart um, about a month ago, uh, or actually a little bit more. It's uh, with uh, one of the instructors, uh, if you've been to... Uh, to the camps in the last few years, you probably know Bruno Matias, a uh, big Brazilian guy. Uh, it was kind of random that he ended up teaching at the camps, but I think this was his ninth camp, this one. Um, and he's he's quite a character at the camps. He is responsible for the for the dance classes, the victory dance workshops at the at the camps, uh, which are wildly popular. He also grew up in like the favelas of Rio, uh, which is a very different life from mine. So I thought it was interesting to sit down with him f- and, and actually talk a little bit about his, um, like how everything started for him, because I pretty much only knew him, like his, his life now. So uh, we did this interview on the beach, uh, one of the beach trips of the, of, the, um, of the camp. So I apologize if there's a bit of wind or noise in the background. Um, but here comes the interview, and um, after that, I will be back uh, with a new little section of the podcast where I answer questions from people in the Facebook group. So here comes the interview with Bruno, and uh, I hope you'll enjoy it. 
So I'm here with Bruno. How many camps now, Bruno? Eight. Eight camps? Yes. Finally made it to the Caribbean. Really um, nice. So in case you don't know Bruno, you might know him as a, the best dancer of BGJ Globetrotters. The official dance instructor. <laughs> but um, <coughs> I actually knew you for many years before we ever talked because uh, I always saw you compete at the competitions. And I think you're definitely the guy I was most scared of when I was like a brown belt. And I knew that someday I would be a black belt. And there's like this guy who moved to Sweden. <laughs> and you look so evil because you're always so serious. Like, shit, this guy is super serious and he's fucking huge. <laughs> and he will kill me one day. <laughs> and uh, I was really scared of you. I'm really. Like, I was like, you're like my nightmare for becoming a black belt. <laughs> but, you know, then you get to meet people, really, and uh, you're a little bit different than I expected. But I think, uh, I think there's always all the talk about, like, your your competitions and all that. But I think what would be interesting is, uh, you want to tell a little bit about your story of how you grew up and ended up with jiu-jitsu and how on earth you ended up in Sweden? Yes, yeah. I started like jiu-jitsu, 95, 96, like a uh, crazy story, like, because I usually play football before. Mm -hmm. Then I'm a professional playing football in Doha, in Brazil. And then, always when I go to visit my grandfather, like we have like for family dinner one time a month, sometimes two. Like, uh, just playing around with my sister, and she always kick my ass. Mm. <laughs> and then I say, wait, she, wait, how big is your sister? Yeah, she oh, <laughs> 1.16. Okay. 1 meter 16. Okay. She's not so big. She's small, but like, I go with power, everything I have it, but she always escaped, take my back, took me out. I'm Bakimura. I say, what the fuck? What is this? What is what you, you do it? She say, I do jiu-jitsu. So if you wanna, I can bring you to, to, to try. Jiu-jitsu this time in Brazil is too expensive. She trained in Carson Grace before, then always on a class end, like she rolled a little bit with me and showed me some stuff. And then is, she, is it, is it, I, I heard that before that uh, Jiu Jitsu in Brazil is mostly for like rich people. Yes, is that true? Yes, yeah. it's really true. Like uh, people from the favela like me, it's impossible to train Jiu Jitsu before. Okay. And then like uh, she gave my first gi, then I'm, I'm lucky like a few months after, like uh, Today he got his uh, purple belt after he won the world championship. Then he opened project in the favela coming from Cantagallo mm -hmm. for give opportunity to people to train jiu-jitsu. When he's a purple belt, and then like uh, this project is so nice because for you be part of this, you have to be okay at the school. Okay. Like uh, even if you like don't have school, because also it's hard to have. School in Brazil is like too much people. And then Terere always found a way to put the kids at school before I go to Jiu Jitsu. Okay. And I started like with him in '96, then I never stopped, I fall in love. And then I stopped totally the football, the education, only in Jiu Jitsu. And the beginning is so hard because I never think about. One day I can I can I can leave this sport. Mm. So I'm gonna do jiu-jitsu, but besides I have to have one, one job to support me, support my family and everything. And I keep training, dedication, compete a lot. Then in 2002 I get the invitation to compete in Paris, France. I went there. I'm lucky to win the tournament and the guys. Uh, invited me to cheat in his academy. Mm -hmm. After the tournament, I just ca called my mother, say I'm gonna keep Bruno here, like we do everything for for his stay well, and support you. And then I moved to Paris in uh, 2002. I lived there for three years. How, how, how old were you there? Uh, when I'm there, I'm a purple belt. I think I'm uh, 20 or something. 19. 19. How, so 19. how is that moving from? Uh, Favela in Brazil to Paris. To Paris, yes. Crazy because like I only speak Portuguese. Yeah. Then I went to there like I don't understand nothing that people say. I'm scared to go out to the streets because I don't know how to talk. And then like uh, one friend told me like 
will be good to like have some move who speak uh, French, they have text in Portuguese, so I can learn the language. But I get like uh, scared when I get there. Like nobody <laughs> don't know me. I just know the guy invited me to work. Like another world is is really good experience mm -hmm. for me. And then there, from there, I see like this is a good opportunity like to change my life, also support the people of my family. Yeah. Then like the, the same thing happened. I come to Scandinavia Open in Malmo. It's 2005. It's a brown belt this time when I went there. And then the guys also in Sweden, he, he... I think I was there. I think I saw you, you there. there. And then like the guys also invited me to move to Sweden. Then I get more scared because in Paris I already have everything. Come on, I work so well there. I have everything with me, then to move to another country, again, like Sweden, say, no way, it's gonna be completely different. Say, if you come here, stay three months, see what you're gonna feel it. And then, like, uh, we can talk later about that, Bruno. And I say, yes, <laughs> then I, I went in Sweden, 2006, October 2006, to train myself and all everybody from his club to go to the European for the next year. Then also, like, I have to think because uh, this time I speak Portuguese and French, mm -hmm. but nobody in Sweden speaks French or Portuguese. <laughs> then I have to decide, oh, I'm gonna learn Swedish first or English. And then I say English I can use in here, or, or if I'm gonna travel to compete in another country, I can use also. If I learn Sweden first, I'm only gonna talk in here. <laughs> no about the part of the planet yeah. gonna speak Sweden. Then I, Go outside, Google Translation a lot, read the books to learn English, to be able to teach also there. Uh, then I really like the way the Swedes like, they are so clean for everything, like the government, everything. Uh, everything works so well. The streets, everything clean, like totally different the, the Paris. Mm -hmm. And then I say, I think, for the education, like maybe like to live in here, bring my kids also to live in here, it's gonna be the best place to like, uh, to, to stay. And then I, I, I like that too much, I, I, I don't wanna move from there. So what, um, so I think we had very different childhoods. Like I know we, we sit here now together on a beach in the Caribbean and uh, we've had a, a fun week. <laughs> but I think we came from two very different places. Yes. Uh, I grew up in a in a nice, safe uh, suburb of Copenhagen. You know, in the forest, nice houses. <laughs> you know. Uh, but, but tell me a little bit about your. Uh, how was your childhood in, uh, in Brazil? Yeah, like uh, before, I had more opportunity to go to Brazil go two times a year. But now, since I opened my own gym with. Uh, Robinson Sweden teach another two academy is coming more hard to go mm. visit them. Then I go only one time in a year. It for me is really hard because I have one month, maximum one and a half month with them. Mm -hmm. But for next year, 2002, I already uh, fix all the paper for my, my old one coming to live with me in Sweden. Next year he come. And uh, it's so hard because I want to be with them 24 hours and like make them happy, give everything they want, they need. Always like talk with them and FaceTime and WhatsApp. And like when I went there for for visit them, they like the two days before I leave is more hard because they ask when I gonna come back. And then I don't have a date. They cry, ask for me stay, or ask for go with me. It's like, my heart is, is, is broken. But uh, they now, they, they grow so fast, they start to understand more, because uh, this is really good also for me and for all of them. The, the thing I have been done now, work hard, because in Jiu-Jitsu, you don't have like a long period, you're gonna be like good competitor or 
uh, let's say, yeah. Then uh, I tried to build my academy or my uh, home gym, everything, for they can have a better life than I have before. Because since I'm uh, 10, 11, like uh, my mind is alone with my sister, and then like uh, I have to start work early to help her, like to park the car or take somebody like bags when I go up to the favela to help, to have some little money. And then like uh, I lose a lot, like uh, the time you're supposed to play, do like uh, have some fun with some friend. I, I didn't have it because I have to help my mother. And today, like uh, they have everything, like they, they of course they at the school, they, they play game, they have fun with his friend, like they call me when they need something, they want to like travel with the school with some friend. Like they think I don't have, I, I want to give them every, every, everything po possible. And then like I'll make their life more, more easy uh, than I have no hard life like I have. <clears throat> if for me like r right now, I'm so happy to see like they develop their big like they have been done really well and more easy now also for them understand like I'm like uh, decided to move most like to work hard and to support all of them. Mm. Yeah. Do you think was 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 it dangerous when you were a kid? I mean, did you live in a bad place or? Yeah, this uh, living in the favela, most of the time they have like a uh, fight with the traffickers and police. And, like my mother have to go to work like six in the morning, go, go back like seven in the, in the, and in the evening. Like uh, I mean, have to be responsible. I have to do like the 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 the, the work I, my father supposed to do, but he he move uh, our house. I'm four years old. My sister two. And then, like, uh, I have to be the father of the house also. I'm mean, only the man there. Then when my mother go to work, then they have, like, gunshot, people running, jumping the, your roof. Then you can't say anything. Some traffickers sometimes go inside the house to hide themselves for the police. And then we can't put them out, can't kick them out, do nothing, have to be quiet. And this, like, uh, is really hard, really hard. The first thing when I moved to Sweden, like and to Paris first in the Sweden, uh, to buy one house for my mother to bring her out from there. But like she loved that place, like she don't wanna move. She said I live here like for a long time, Bruno. I think gonna be so hard for me to start the life in apartment. You know, I like to put high meals, carry my friend around in the weekend. Then I I don't wanna move, but yeah, it's like I have a tough life. When, 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 I'm a, when, when I'm a kid. Do you, do you have any contact with your father? Or? Yeah, I still have con contact with them. Uh, even my sister, this brings me to the jiu-jitsu. Like, last year, she had a really good idea. I said, Bruno, let's make plan. Every year we come to Brazil, uh, we make like the dinner we had before and our grandfather, she's, now she died. And then I say, yeah, it's gonna be really good to, to to meet everybody because it's so hard to go. Then in Brazil, sometimes I travel, I don't see nobody. And then I also support this dinner now. I can support, and I should say, you support with the, the food, everything. Then I cook, I do all the stuff. You can go to my place. Then like last year, we already did. Then we met everybody from the family, with my, my father, kids, and like, uh, most of the thought his kid also have a kid, then he gets so happy because I think he, he never get the moment before with all his kids together. Yeah, it's really nice. Now we're gonna keep doing this like one time any year. Where do you think you would have been today if uh, if you didn't go to that competition in Paris? Yeah, I think it's gonna be tough because in Brazil they have a lot of good black belts. And if you go to Copacabana, like the academy, like De La Riva, Carson Grace, Alliance, Checkmates, like 100 meters each other, like it's too much concurrence. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to live with Jiu Jitsu in, in Brazil, even if you're tough, like five times world championship, 10 times world championship. Doesn't matter, that's really hard to be, we have a good economy with Jiu Jitsu there. Mm.
And if you don't have this opportunity with Paris, I, I don't know maybe where I'm gonna be right now. But this project, I believe a lot of this project already have been done because Jiu-Jitsu is changing my life. And like, I have uh, right now like 90 friends start with me in this project. They live all over the world, like Singapore, London, one in, in Sweden. In France, they have one too. We come from this project, and before, Estelere was the only one to help like 15, 100 kids. It's really hard for him. We, we see everything when he started the project. But today, since we live everybody in Europe, now everybody's a black belt, this project we, we have, we have also a page in the Facebook for everybody seeing it. And when people help us, we always put picture out, put the name of the people who help us. Like all the kids also, we do the same, like because when you go to competition before, our mother pay for the competition, but we don't have the money for the transport to get in the competition or for the lunch because we spend the whole day. And then like we bring some like biscuit or some sandwich we make at home, we stay all day in the competition, it's really hard. And then we plan for the kids, don't pass this hard also like we did in the beginning. The kids are in our project, they have everything like gear, New gear, like we pay for the 10 top one who, who compete more. We pay the tournament. Next year for the European, six from the favela de Cantagallo. We manage like to collect the money, put money together. We also have an account to bring it to fight in the European Championship. After the European, they're gonna stay like at three months at my place in, in Stockholm. So the so the, the same project, it's the same project that's yeah. still running? Yeah, oh. still running. And now it's not only today, we, now we have uh, seven people they care about this project, and we have get more stronger help. And yeah, we have six boys gonna come to compete Europe. Three of them gonna stay, like I said, three months at my place, just for go around, compete in Europe. Also have some seminar. Then after the Grand Line London, they go back to Brazil. I've seen some of these kids at the competition sometimes. <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? And he just rips everyone apart. Uh, I, it must have been these because I remember. I remember also I was in London and it was like the same, the same like two or three Brazilian kids I saw at every competition. They they beat all my my, my boys. <laughs> do you feel like uh, do you feel like you're doing something similar now in Sweden with the? I see you have some really good uh, kids team and uh, like when you're teaching in Sweden, do you, do you feel like you're, you're doing something? It's not. I know it's not a favela, but I mean there are some kids there too who need. Uh, who needs some help, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right now, like uh, at, at my club, we just begin. We have we knew we have uh, take 35 students, but uh, I have plan like to do this like uh, because we know Sweden have a lot of I immigrants, and then uh, some of them we can see also they don't have opportunity maybe to train jiu-jitsu because the father have to work to support all their family. I have planned to like. Uh, Maybe middle or end of the 2018 or, or 19, like uh, give away like five or ten place uh, space for they can tra train from free. And because most the the competitors, you can see the good competitors, like they they come like from the uh, let's say this. When you don't have too much opportunity, like, and then somebody give it to you, like, you you, you don't want to lose. Yeah. Then, like, uh, the place I live in, Yana, close to Solitaire, they have a lot of Arabic and people there. Like, I can see they pass close to the academy, stop. They like, they do, like, two classes because it's the first week is from free, but then they, they, they don't keep. I, I believe it's, like, the family that don't have uh, the money to support. But uh, I have this at my, my head, too. Maybe in the future we're gonna do this there also. And since I started teaching there for 2006 or seven, we can see the jiu-jitsu also developed a lot in Sweden. Like now at my club, I have like uh, people have been winning European also world championship. They can never believe like one of my first students win in the world like 2014. I cry like baby. Like <laughs> the people say, what the fuck? Why are you? Why are you cry? You say, man, you don't know how long I work and I make you the first student winning the World Championship. Like, many people dream to have this 
title and also the coach to teach and spend time with them now all the friends like at the academy they're gonna motivate more people to train and believe they work if you work uh, serious like this uh, can help can can help you can win in the big tournament and yes like we have uh, some competitor with a good title already at the club. So uh, you have to you have to tell us where uh, where does the dancing come from? <laughs> yes, yes. That's not. I'm gonna tell you guys where this dance comes from. If you check YouTube, like all the winners, when Terry the winner, all the tournament, he always dance. Back in the day, uh, from blue, purple, and brown, I also dance when, when I win. But uh, when I got my black belt, and then I, I keep it stop because some referee don't like, and then they say he's gonna punish me, like disqualified. Then I get to Siske, and then 2012, I'm so excited for my title in Brazil because I already live in Europe, I don't train too much. Then I think like my level going down a little bit in Jiu Jitsu, then I went to Brazil 2012 to compete uh, Rio Open. Since the world moved to West, uh, this reopen is the more big competition there in Brazil. Then I managed to win the, with against people train three times, four times a day. I only train one time a day in Sweden with my student with no tough training. Then I managed to win. And then I'm dance. I get so excited, dance, dance, dance. And then the president of the old referee, he come inside the match. Then he he told me, Bruno. I'm gonna let it pass this time, but next time you dance, I'm gonna tell the referee to disqualify to you. I say, but why? I win, everybody see. He say, yeah. You can let the referee lift your hand first, go outside of the match, you can dance outside of there. I say, yeah, that's not funny. The funny like when you win, like you're excited inside of the match, the place like you, you fight. He say, yeah, but next time you dance, I'm gonna disqualify to you. That's why I keep like, Stop to dance when I win the tournament, and this become with this idea. And the first uh, uh, this camp I have in, in Louisville, mm -hmm. say so, okay, I have a problem in my head. I think every camp or every seminar I have been doing, traveling around the world, I'm gonna like do some moves. Since I cannot do more in the competition, I'm gonna do some in the camp and the seminar. And this heavy. <laughs> It's so funny because the people like too much. We have a lot of fun. Uh, yes, I'm enjoying a lot. <laughs> I think I think that you're actually at the moment on the internet. You're more more famous for your dancing than for your uh, for your competition Jiu -Jitsu. results. Yeah, yeah, this is true. But this is true. That's true. It like uh, before I was when I traveled to camp or seminar, people ask Bruno which technique you're gonna pass, or like uh, can you help me in this? Now they don't ask me. Anymore about that. When I get to say, Bruno, so nice you're gonna have a seminar here in my academy, but I look forward for Saturday. I say, but why Saturday is the last day? He say, yeah, I wanna I wanna know which song you're gonna use when we're gonna dance. I say, what? Like they don't ask more about jiu-jitsu, about like you say about that. They don't care more about that. Now they only care about the <laughs> the dance class. I think I think after eight camps you made me a better dancer for sure. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I definitely improved. <laughs> yeah, these these videos have been all over the internet. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that was interesting to hear. Especially the the contrast of knowing you from now you telling your story and then how I knew you before as the really scary big guy <laughs> who would one day, one day grab me. I'm just a little, little skinny boy from a growing up in a nice childhood in Denmark. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> yeah, because since I come to Sweden, every tournament I, I'm in there, like Sweden, Grab League. I know, I know, I no saw you every time. Tiggy, yes. Every time I had nightmares, <laughs> nightmares about being underneath side control. <laughs> I knew one day I would get a black belt and I would meet you in the competition and I would feel like I'd never trained a day in my life. <laughs> I knew that day was coming. But it's nice. I'm not scared anymore. I think you will still beat me, except in surfing. <laughs> yes. <So. laughs> one day, one day. All right, man.
Thanks a lot. Thank you, Krista. That's nice. Was all right, I am back in the basement. And um, as you all know, when you get a black belt in jiu-jitsu, you also automatically become a life coach. That is kind of common knowledge. Uh, so I, I, kind, I might, you know... Um, call this section of the podcast uh, the Christian's Life Coach Corner or something, uh, or maybe not. Um, anyway, I posted on the Globetrotters Facebook group a while back asking if uh, anyone had questions on anything they would like me to go through in the in the podcast, and uh, I think I got quite, quite a few uh, good ones, um, but if you have any any questions on globetrotters or traveling or something, um, you're most welcome to shoot me an email on uh, mail at bjjglobetrotters.com and I will see if I can uh, I can fit it in, in one of the, the podcasts soon. Um, so I think I'll just pick like one or two questions um, per, per episode, depending on how much time we have, and um, I'll try to answer them as, as good as I can. So the first one uh, I just randomly picked from the list was from um, from Carla in Germany. Uh, she's been to uh, several camps over the last many years. And uh, she asks, have you ever been scared about stepping into entrepreneurship? Um, which is something that I think about a lot. <laughs> uh, I have been kind of running and building businesses uh, almost as long as I can remember um, at, at, at like obviously at, at different levels um, I've done a lot of projects that's been kind of jiu-jitsu and martial arts related um, for just the obvious reason that this has been my interest most of my life so um, so that's kind of where I had the the, connect, the connections and network to make things happen um, I've done everything from community websites like before Facebook to um, I did, I've done a lot of competitions, jiu-jitsu, submission wrestling, uh, both kind of on the beach and indoor competitions and around Denmark. I've hosted a lot of these and um, I've done big MMA shows with thousands of uh, spectators. Um, we had like... Uh, this was kind of before MMA was really mainstream. So we had MMA, but we also had like Muay Thai and all kinds of uh, fights. It was basically like fight shows. I did a lot of these for, for a few years, um, like really big shows. And um, obviously I built uh, an academy in Copenhagen with, uh, at some point we had 700 members still running. Um, I, I left that a few years ago. Before that I had been involved in building several academies and um, just always kind of come up with ideas and, and try to make make them happen um, and obviously after uh, after the, I did the the academy in Copenhagen CSA I uh, I kind of moved on to to the whole Globetrotters project um, but yeah I've been doing a, a lot of different things and also some things that are not uh, directly jujitsu related, but but mostly have been in one way or the other. Also, uh, I did I've done a lot of like computer related stuff, like uh, websites and web development, graphical design. Uh, Built a few little little companies around that, but nothing that that ever really took off. I don't think I had enough of an interest in it, but it was still fun to kind of to kind of try and do that. I built web shops and websites and stuff. Uh, many years ago, but I, I always, I always, I'm always been fascinated about making things happen, you know, getting an idea and then actually kind of realizing it and uh, doing something about it. And I think that's in that sense, it's been kind of natural for me to to try and you know end up building uh, like some sort of, of businesses. And um, I did. I did after after I finished high school. I did. I did kind of get a, a job, like a regular desk job, where I worked as a as a software developer slash graphical designer, something kind of in between those two. And it it really kind of it, it sucked the light life out of me. Uh, I I from the beginning I didn't really feel like uh, 
I belonged there at a desk. Like I was, uh, it was really difficult for me to not create anything, um, which was was what I really, you know, had a passion for. On the other hand, it was it felt kind of nice and safe. You know, um, someone was paying me every month, but in reality, looking back, it really was not safe at all. Um, at at some point, I quit my job and started. Uh, building uh, my my academy in Copenhagen instead and obviously um, at the time it was kind of scary um, to just quit my job and and try to rely on, on generating my own income but um, I would say looking back and how I feel now is uh, I, I would with with the lessons I learned from all of this I would I would never even think twice about quitting a job and doing something else. I think there are a few a few things when I when I talk to people about like being self-employed or building your own business there are a few things that that kind of they always mention that are they think are difficult because I mean I, I often have people tell me like I could never do what you what you do which uh, is kind of true and kind of not true um I think I think being an entrepreneur or building business is it's a, it's a skill you can you can learn like it's it's like it's like a muscle you can train like any other muscle and um it's not like um so a, f- a few things i i hear people say all the time is like uh i mean you have a natural talent for this which i think is at some extent true there there is a there is a certain part of this that's like personality but uh i also think that anyone can can learn to do this it's it's really kind of simple i would say um it's i mean it's an education like anything else obviously you can go to business school and stuff but what i did at some point was like okay i want to learn how to build a business and and really like anything else if you want to become an expert in something expert defined by you're better than 99 percent of the the world's population in that field is it's it's fairly simple any anything you want to become an expert in is like you just go to Amazon, you order the 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 top ten books on that that field, and you read them. And already there, you're way ahead of the field. I mean, that could be obviously any skill, but the same with with entrepreneurship. I I pretty much just went through twenty five, thirty five books on like on like building businesses and becoming entrepreneur, and so it's kind of what I do. And um, and that's it. And I would say that was way easier than if I was if I had to go to university or like school for five years and study five years and study. I'm not sure I could even do that. I I can't really sit still in in school. I I think I I always had too many things I wanted to do um, to kind of keep focus in uh, on studying in school. Um, so I mean that's the first thing is it if nothing is nothing is is keeping you from from learning this skill like any other skill it's like it's like if i said i can never be an electrician because i'm not born to be an electrician and uh and really you know kind of all i need to do is start reading some books and practicing doing it and and asking someone to tell me how to do it that could be in school but it could also be you know a skill that can be learned just on your own um so i think that's that's like a a fallacy that 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 um i i think is uh, is easily disproven so to say i mean i don't think i had other than a, a bit of personality in this it's like i i don't think what i've learned and exp- and kind of um experienced through through trial and error is something that anyone else couldn't do uh obviously you, you kind of need you kind of need the, the confidence to do it, and then maybe just someone to tell you that okay, it's actually possible. Read these ten books and, and come back to me. I might say that to some, to someone who wants to do something similar to what I do. Uh, the other thing is like they will they will say um, maybe I learn, but I'm I'm sure it's gonna fail. You know, I'm I'm sure whatever I try to build is gonna fail. And a, a really important thing here is that. Failing is just like in jiu-jitsu. There's no way you're going to be a good competitor without losing a lot of matches. And the same here, uh, to to build uh, like a business or be an entrepreneur of any kind. It doesn't have to be like business business to make money, but it might as well be like I don't know, 
you want to do charity events or big competitions for the sake of having competitions in your area or something. It's not necessarily uh, the measure, the measurement of success is not necessarily how much money it makes. Anyway, um, you have to fail a lot of times to, to make, make this happen. Every time you build something that fails, you, you gain some, uh, some experience that you can use in, in, in the future. And, and that's really the same with everything else in, in, in life, I guess the, the the magic really happens outside of your comfort zone, and and I I always draw parallels to jujitsu competitions, and it's kind of the same, or the other way around. Um, I mean, I think I definitely learned most in jujitsu from losing in competition. Um, everything someone beat me with in competition is something I've become an expert on, and and the same in in being an entrepreneur. Uh, everything that failed is something that I'm really good at now. Um, so I, I will say, I, I think as, as far back as I can remember, the first business I ever kind of did was, um, in kindergarten. I remember I had this great idea. There was like a playhouse that was two stories and, and there was a window in the top story and, and it was kind of high. I, I, I don't know. I, I was maybe five years at this point. So I felt it was high back then, but it probably wasn't. So I had this great idea that if someone would jump out there, I would pay them to do it. Um, and um, and obviously the big, the big, the bigger boys just jumped out all the time. And I was like, "Yeah, this is great." And then suddenly I owed them some money, and I had to. It was like one cent per jump or something. And uh, I remember I had to take some money in my in my dad's kind of wallet. Uh, to pay these guys, but I I kind of felt like I had built something great there, but um it wasn't uh, probably the best business uh, I ever I ever made. But um, so I paid some 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 boys to jump out of a, a playhouse. Um, I'm I, I'm not sure exactly what my my logic was when when this was would be like a great business. But anyway, in terms of of um, making money, that definitely failed. But I think I I don't know what the lesson was. You must have some some way to make money off off of it too, not just spend it. Um, right. So I mean, there's no way you're gonna build anything without failing. Um, so that's just how it is. The other thing that that I another thing that I, I hear a lot is like, yeah, but I I could never quit my job tomorrow and then just start doing what you do. And uh, and I think from the outside, obviously looking at let's say looking at, at what I do, um, it can be, I, I understand how it, it, you would think, like, how do you go from like zero to a hundred? Like, how, how do you go from nothing to that? And and that's that's really, that's obviously not how it works. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. What what I think is a, is a common and good way to, to start something up, like let's say a small business, is that you have to do it parallel with something else. And that might be parallel to like a regular job. Like I did, I, I kind of had my, my my desk job and then on the side, I, I built the academy until it grew to a certain size and then I could make the switch. But that was years and years of work. And, um, and again, uh, running the academy for many years, I kind of parallel to that built up Globetrotters and the whole thing around that and uh, it took years before I could kind of make the switch from the gym to to do what I do now and um, I think that's an important point that that this doesn't just happen like you don't just go from from nothing uh, to having a business it's, it's something you build up every everyone I know who's been building up great businesses is is like they started with something like a small hobby uh, and then did that on the side uh, while they had another job or something, and then slowly build it up, and at some point it was, it was big enough so they could they could make the the switch. Um, and so it's it's a it's a long long process. I mean, what I do now is 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 built on experiences of of being an entrepreneur for more than twenty years. So so um, it's a long process, but you just got to start somewhere. Uh, the best the best what's that saying? Uh, the the second best time to um, to plant a tree is today, right? The best one was like a hundred years ago, but the second best is always today. So it's the same. Uh, you just got to start somewhere and start to build some um, some projects and uh, and fail and take those experiences to to do other things. 
Um, and obviously, there's another thing, which is um, the illusion of financial stability, which is, uh, I think, so people say, I, I couldn't quit my job because I'm, I'm sure I'm going to make money there. You know, every month someone is paying me. And uh, I remember from, from having the, the desk job, like in the beginning, I thought, this is great. You know, people actually pay me money every month. I don't have to worry about anything. I can spend it all and and there's another chunk coming in in a few weeks. Um, in reality, I think I was always um, nervous that, I mean, I wasn't actually sure if I was just faking it or I was actually good at my job. I didn't really know, you know, if 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 I was if I, if I could deliver what what they wanted in the long run. The other thing is, like, what what is financial stability? Is it is it one person who has your entire kind of um, safety net in his hand? I, this is I'm talking about your boss. Um, one person at any point, and you have one income source coming from from one one place and it's all decided by one person he at one at, at some point he can he can you know hate you for something you said over the the water cooler or something and, and fire you and that's it you, you lost your entire income um, is that financial stability and uh, and also I mean there there are a lot of things working for a company you never know um, what might happen you know I, I had a job somewhere and they went bankrupt and I pretty much had no idea it came out of the blue um it's completely out of your control if uh, if you're making money from there or not so i would say in terms of financial stability i would obviously take some work but at at any point i would i would choose what i do now where i have like literally uh, thousands of little income streams if i count every customer every person who signed up for a camp or every person i don't know buys a patch or or something um, on top of, of other projects I'm, I'm doing on the side which are completely unrelated to Globetrotters um, any of these people might for whatever reason start hating me and stop paying me and and it would make zero difference um, there could be a hundred people who said okay we're never going to buy a gi again or go to a camp again and I, I wouldn't uh, nothing would change really um, whereas before I had like one person and I always had to kind of, you know, I could never have a real relationship with this guy because I had to make sure that he kind of liked me. You know, uh, I did play a lot of, of table football in, uh, of football in, in the lunch breaks, like a lot, maybe a little bit too much. And, and at some point I was like, Shit, maybe, maybe I'm going to lose my, my income just for if he fires me because of this. Um, so I will say in terms of feeling financially secure, I, I have, I'm way, way more relaxed about it now, like hundred times more relaxed now than when I had like a, a nine to five job that paid me every single day. Um, so I would say financial stability is having many, many income sources in one way or the other, and not just one, because that is definitely not stability. That's I would say that's super risky. Everybody's afraid of losing their job. If you lose your job, you have to, I don't know, start over, find another one. Um, so that's definitely not uh, uh, stability if, you, if you're afraid of, of losing your one and only income source. Uh, anyway, I think I talked quite a lot about this. So back to the, the original questions. Have you ever been scared about stepping into entrepreneurship? Yes, definitely. Uh, it's been, it was very scary in the beginning. Um, but knowing all these things now, kind of on the other side, I, I will never uh, not do it again. I, I can never imagine myself signing uh, a contract uh, for someone else um, so that someone else can decide what I'm allowed to do for eight hours a day. Uh, I know it, if, if you have a regular job, that, that sounds like, I don't know, spoiled. Um, but on being on the other side of it now, I, I, I look back and I can never imagine myself doing it. So... Um, I think there, it's, it's just, it's just basic skills you can learn and, um, anyone can do it. I'm, I'm sure it's easier for some than others. Just like, you know, it's probably not easy for me to become, uh, I don't know, 
psychologist or something. <laughs> I have no idea. It is not easy because I hate studying uh, in school. I can't. I can't do it when people tell me what to what to do. It, it annoys me too much. I have too many things I want to do with my time. So this is obviously something I can talk a lot about. And uh, if you have any other questions about uh, entrepreneurship or building businesses or something, it might be something I, I want to. I can take up again in, a, in a, another episode. Um, always welcome to to email me questions to answer at the at Christian's Life Coach Corner. Um, just shoot me an email on mail at bjjglobetrotters.com and I will do my best to to answer all of them. Um, same if you have any suggestions or feedback for the for the podcast. Um, there are a few people who's been writing me with good ideas that I'm definitely uh, taking up. One of them were doing a Q&A round like this. Um, shoot me an email. I'm always uh, I'm always available. Um, so I think I'm going to wrap up this episode. If you want to know anything else about BGJ Globetrotters, just go to bjjglobetrotters.com. There's everything there. Uh, and by the way, um, if you feel like um, inviting some jiu-jitsu travelers to your home, uh, check out matsurfing.org. It's our free um, couch surfing serv- service for jiu-jitsu travelers. Um, so um, if you uh, have like a, an extra mattress or something and people pass through your area, they can find you and um, you can kind of uh, host them for a day or two and take them to your gym. And uh, I think a lot of good things can come out of that. So check that out if you if you haven't heard about mat surfing uh, before. Anyway, so uh, let's wrap it up here and I will be back with the next episode in a few weeks or something. Um, I have a lot of good interviews uh, stored on my hard drive that I will edit and um, and prepare for, for future episodes. So again, any any questions, ideas or feedback on the podcast, feel free to, um, to shoot me an email and I will be happy to, uh, to listen to what you're saying. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.